Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. And join us every Thursday for a new episode of Two Player Bros, a podcast about two guys who play way too many video games. Join me and Dave as we talk about the latest in Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and VR news, previews, and reviews. We have it all, and we play it all. And join us every other week for Post Game, where we play through and dive deep into our favorite modern classics and new releases. That's Two Player Bros, available every Thursday wherever you get your podcast. part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Welcome to a new episode of Cracking One Open with Mike and Elise. <laughs> I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. In case you were wondering. Yeah, you know, just in case it wasn't clear enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I didn't see you there. <laughs> oh, what's going on, guys? <laughs> so, yeah. Hi. Hi. What's up? <laughs> Nothing. Sitting here sober. No drink in hand. Oh, man. I not even pregame for this episode. <laughs> That's why I got my wine. <laughs> Say hello to our third co-host. Small dog. Small dog. Gargoyle. Watching us very closely. Hello. She's not bringing anything to the table. No. Nah, <laughs> except the cuteness. The cuteness is a visual and standard. the smallness. The smallness is also a visual standard. This is mm. an audio podcast. I'll post a story. <laughs> You've got a visitor. Anyway, <laughs> we are cracking open this week. Alesmith IPA from Alesmith Brewing Company, which Ooh. is out of San Diego, California. Must be nice. Yeah, I could use some of that warmth right about now. We've had a nothing but rainy, cold November week here in Southern Connecticut. Yep. <laughs> Alesmith was founded, quote, with a passion and respect for brewing. In 1995, in a small single unit space in the commercial district of Miramar in San Diego with a 15 BBL brew system, a tasting bar, an office, and a three-man team. Sounds like it would have been pretty crowded. In 1998, Alesmith's Belgian Golden Strong Ale brewed with coriander won over the crowd at the Great American Beer Festival and took home silver. And they have since gone on to win 17 more medals over the years at the Great American Beer Festival competitions alone. Ooh. Yeah. In 2002, Grandmaster Judge and decorated homebrewer Peter Zien took ownership of the brewery, solidifying Alesmith's reputation for brewing legendary hand-forged ales. Hand-forged always just reminds me of like swords, weaponry. I think that's what they wanted to go because Alesmith... Sounds mm. like blacksmith yeah, too. Yeah, uh, all right. It's got all a big right. by the hand, yeah. manly beer. <laughs> <laughs> in 2003, they released their first barrel-aged beer called Speedway Stout. This 12% ABV beast hibernates in bourbon barrels and has been consistently recognized as one of the best beers in the world. Ooh. 
Uh, now, this is from their website. I don't know if they meant best barrel-aged beers in the world or just one of the best beers, but it has won several awards at a few different competitions. Color me intrigued. Yeah. I must retrieve this beer. Yep. <laughs> Alesmith was awarded the 2008 Small Brewing Company and Brewer of the Year at the Great American Beer Festival. And I guess maybe to celebrate, <laughs> they then upgraded their brewing capacity from 15 BBL to 30 BBL. Double the space. <laughs> In 2012, they updated their logo and bottle art, installed a new bottling system to increase efficiency and quality, and reached a new output level of 15,000 BBLs per year. Boom. That's a lot of beer. In 2015, Ale Smith closed its original location in order to expand into a 100,000 square foot facility. They increased their production uh, with a 80 BBL brew system, which enabled them to launch in new markets across the globe. And Ale Smith's new state-of-the-art brewery is located just two blocks west of the original facility, which I feel like is a theme of like when breweries relocate. It's always like just around the corner. Well, because you have your, I mean, I'm sure because you have your regulars in the tap room. Mm -hmm. You've already established a location and the liquor stores that started carrying you to begin with. So I'm sure that that's probably why. Yeah, but like you don't try to move too too far. It's so convenient that there's always something just around the corner that they can move into. I don't uh, know. Well, you know, you know, a lot of these <clears throat> breweries are in industrial are districts. in industrial districts yeah, where true. there's so many empty buildings, and you know, or nowadays tenant, tenants least, move out, and then something opens up that yeah. wasn't there before. In All Connecticut, right. there's so many abandoned buildings that you could just be like, "Yeah, that's now a brewery." Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this like the, used to be like a, the Family Guy episode. This with used the to abandoned. be a pet store. <laughs> well, guess what? It is now. A pet store themed brewery. <laughs> <laughs> and at 25,000 square feet alone, they boast the largest tasting room in San Diego. It's a big tasting room. San Diego. <laughs> it's a fact. It's the greatest city in the history of mankind. <laughs> <laughs> Discovered by the Germans in 1904, they named it San Diego, which of course in German means a whale's vagina. That's what it always reminds me of. <laughs> Alesmith continues to be recognized as one of the world's foremost craft breweries and has garnered many awards at prestigious local, national, and international competitions. They are consistently ranked in the world's top 10 list on ratebeer.com, where they are currently ranked at number six out of 33,000 plus breweries worldwide. But they did hit number one in 2006 and in 2013. Damn. Yeah. I'm most impressed that they started in 1995 when you don't hear about a lot of craft breweries and True. stuff like that. Yeah. We we have covered a few breweries that started in the 90s. A couple. And it seems like they are a lot of the West Coast yeah. breweries. But yeah. because now there aren't a lot, I guess, on the East Coast, I, we probably have more of the blue laws and stuff mm -hmm. like that because we're older states. Yeah. That it's, more, it's very interesting to find out about all these breweries that were craft breweries like 10, 15 years on before... Before what we, we consider got the wind of them. established ones. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. So on to the beer. Alesmith IPA is back for their 25th anniversary, as Mike just alluded to. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's one of the all-time highest rated IPAs on rate beer. It has won everything from gold to bronze in different competitions, including the Great American Beer Festival, San Diego International Beer Competition, and more. 
This IPA clocks in at 7.25 ABV and has an IBU rating of 40, which is kind of on the lower end for your typical IPA, which generally has a range of between 40 and 60. Uh, So this one I'm going to go ahead and assume is very nicely balanced. I would assume that back then there wasn't quite the taste for bitter. Yeah. Beer like that. Yeah. Like beer was already bitter enough. So they probably 25 years ago weren't trying to create the most bitter beer like Chippas and Tippas and stuff like that. <laughs> Although 7% is a, is a, is a, is a strong boy. a pretty boy. heavy hitter. Yeah. yeah a strong boy for, for something a that's not a, 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 exactly. What we call um, him a sippa? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty catchy. Right? I, TM, I like sippa. Sippa dippa trippa. Sippa dippa tippa. <laughs> Hale <laughs> Smith does not recommend aging this bad boy uh, and says that they that it should be served between 45 and 50 degrees Fahrenheit in a Becher Becker glass, uh, which unfortunately we don't have by the no! looks of it. Yeah, sorry. It looks like t- it looks to be the shape of that tribus glass that I told you I want next when we have room for more glassware. The kind of Pilsner glass where it kind of bows out just a little bit at top and then oh, comes. Damn it. Yeah. 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 I know. I was looking it up. Now I know what you're talking about. Yep. <laughs> uh, it also apparently pairs well with blue cheeses. I'm talking about the beer, not the glass. <laughs> <laughs> so Alesmith describes the IPA like this, quote, Bursting with massive hop aromas of grapefruit, pine, and tropical fruits from huge additions of Columbus and Citra, this classic IPA is perfectly balanced with a healthy malt backbone and smooth, bitter finish. The healthy malt backbone was something that when I bought this at the liquor store, when I was reading the description, mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, yes. Because I remember we've had a couple of malty IPAs lately and I've really, dug really them. dug the extra mm-hmm. maltiness. Yeah. So Citra Hops. This hop debuted in the brewing world in 2008 and is obviously prolific because we talk about it every other week. And it is one of the most coveted high impact aroma hops in the U.S. among craft brewers. Citra boasts a complex lineage, including Hallertau Mittelfra, Tetnanger, Brewer's Gold, and East Kent Golding. And as the name implies, Citra has a strong citrusy profile, and this is because of its high myrcene content but it also makes it very difficult to use for bittering as it often ends up being too harsh. Citra has an extraordinary flavor profile of grapefruit, lime, and tropical fruits, which makes it one of the few hops that are even great in single hop beers. Next up, uh, which is a hop that we don't get to talk about very often, is Columbus. Its exact lineage is unknown, and it was named partly as a result of a legal dispute between Hop Union and Yakima Chief when both parties attempted to patent the same hop. Yakima Chief's variety was named Tomahawk, and after an agreement was reached, both names were registered, but they are still technically the same hop. (laughs) It was originally bred by Chuck Zimmerman back in the 1970s, when he was working for the USDA hop breeding program, but then he retired from that position and supposedly took his work home with him. But really, there's no solid explanation how this hop made its way into the commercial breeding programs. It's often referred to as CTZ, which stands for Columbus Tomahawk Zeus, although it is genetically distinct from Zeus hops. They're very similar in in, in taste profiles. Yeah. It features a punchy herbal happiness and deep aroma described as resiny, earthy, and spicy, almost like black pepper or licorice. 
with an understated citrusy lemon notes if it's a fresh batch, and it serves very well as a dual-use hop or for dry hopping. It's also a good candidate for a single-hopped beer, and it's great in American Pale Ales, IPAs, Imperial IPAs, Imperial Red Ales, Imperial Brown Ales, Barley Wines, Stouts, or Lagers. So, very versatile. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that we don't talk about it more often, that it's not used more in the beers that we feature. I prefer the name CTZ. CTZ. Yeah, that's what I got. A word? A word. So like... Let's check out this healthy malt backbone. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you. Oh, we recording? Yeah. <laughs> Crack it. Crack it. Ooh. Smells delightfully yeasty. It did not specify what yeasts were in this. Ooh. For some reason, I was expecting it to be a deeper color, maybe because of the ABV, but I guess oh. if it is just a... That's about what I expected it to look like. However, it is not what I expected it to smell like. This smells very much like a double IPA. I could see that. It's got that huge, this big, yeasty, malty smell to it, yeah. which isn't bad. It's like bready. Mm-hmm. But I usually usually get those off of smelling the the double IPAs and the the triple IPAs the the dip, the dippers and the tippers the dippers and the tippers not so much the sippers yeah <laughs> well it definitely it's very piney mm-hmm. pine heavy for me which is a West Coast IPA yeah which this is almost certainly a West Coast IPA I would imagine yeah even though it didn't specify I'm pretty sure it does, does actually it? yeah well, a little sad they didn't give you the malt notes me too uh, because it would have been because interesting. they emphasized the yeah big multi backbone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's see. I have what a lot this... to learn about malts. I feel like there's not a lot out there as far as like, well, breweries don't tend to give the malt information. Some do, most don't. Right. It's almost maybe that's their patented secret formula. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, it's, it's, it would be interesting. We always go over the hops over and over again. It'd be mm-hmm. interesting to start to get into some of the yeast and the malts. Yeah. Would be interesting and neat. I am very interested to sip this. Uh, mm-hmm. 25 year old not that this beer itself is 25 years old but this 25 year old <laughs> yeah, recipe yeah they say don't age it <laughs> and uh, a brewery that's been around for so long yeah so cheers cheers careful cheers <laughs> during a time when especially during a time when IPAs weren't very uh, popular mm-hmm. ooh that's much more citrusy than it smells than it smells I dig it yeah it cuts down that maltiness but it does give you that big malty taste that malty backbone they're talking about is definitely mm-hmm. there which does remind me of some of the it um, kind of rolls over your tongue after you take that first sip. Very dipper-like. Very dipper-like. Mm. Not, yeah. in a, not in a bad way. And then it mellows back out and all those piney notes. Yeah. There's definitely a West Coast IPA. Yeah. This is very good. And I get a very a very yeasty, bready aftertaste as well. Yeah. Nice carbonation. Not crazy, but not like flat. Like I feel like we've had a couple ones that seem almost flat lately. Yeah, well, we were at the restaurant. We had that blueberry one that was pretty much completely flat. Yeah, but it was also delicious. <laughs> yeah, well, it wasn't really a beer. Mm-hmm. This is easy sipping, but definitely a sipper. That's <laughs> 7%. I really dig the pininess mm-hmm. and the maltiness of this. It does have that citrus taste at the beginning to kind of cut back on that. It would be breadiness you get until like toward the back end. Yeah, I feel like it needs that or it would be almost too sweet, almost like a brown. It would be too sweet, but it would also, I think, be too heavy tasting. It would be too The liquid. dankness would take over yeah, as well, the pininess. Like too liquid bready, I think, actually. Yeah. I think that yeastiness would just take over that first sip mm-hmm. because you'd get what you smell and then that aftertaste kicks in, which also is that yeastiness. Yeah. 
So it'd be like no end to the bread. I would just feel like I'm taking a big loaf of bread from the center. Stuff in my mouth. Not that I hate that, but it's not necessarily that's like a little overkill when you're trying to drink something. Yeah. But the pine notes, I really like how the pine notes are coming through during all of this. Mm-hmm. I do tend to like the pineiness when I own beers do have the pine, big on the pine flavor. It's true, which is funny considering that you were not a big fan of the first like West Coast IPA that you had. I honestly, I don't want to say this. I don't think it was a good beer. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was a collab. Mm hmm. I don't remember who with. Nope. But I was not a fan of that one at all. No. No. But the very next West Coast IPA I had, I thought was great. So. Yeah, there must be a, a pretty big range, which I mean, to be fair, there's a pretty big range of New England style IPAs as well. Oh, for sure. But I haven't found, I don't think there's been a West Coast one I haven't liked other than that very first one where I was yeah. like, what is this? Where it really turns you off for yeah. a while. I just don't think it was good. I just don't think that was a good West Coast IPA. I think this is a very good West Coast IPA. It's so well balanced. Even though the, the bitter units, the IBU is pretty low, I still find it pretty bitter. Yeah. If it the IBU rating was any higher, the perceived bitterness for me would be like, it would it would be too much. I think it's the citrus and the pine mm-hmm. make gives you this bitter feeling in your mouth mm-hmm. that any more bitter, yeah, would be too much. And also I'm surprised that for an audience in 1995. That this would have gone over well. But yeah, this wouldn't be too much as well. But yeah, I guess they, the craft beer scene was just more advanced than us. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> on the East Coast. But also they they made it a point to say that they were bringing it back for the 25th anniversary. So maybe it went away for a while. I don't know. It seems like they have a so. pretty uh, lengthy draft list that they that they rotate out. I would imagine they've been around for 25 years. So. Yeah. But I don't know why you would take this one away. Oh, maybe you took this one away because people started to not like it. Mm. But it's number one IPA on a lot of people on Beer Finder. Or maybe they just focused more on other ones, on other brews, newer brews, newer styles. It's quite possible. It's just really bready mm-hmm. on the nose. And then that still is really interesting to me. I've never really smelt an IPA that smelled so much like a double IPA. But no, it's good. Yeah, this is really good. I'm a little disappointed that it's uh, so high in ABV because I don't know how many of these I could really drink. Well, it's seven's high, but it's not like crazy high. Yeah, that's true. It's not like a double. It's not like 8.5, 9, 10. Yeah. Or their barrel age 12%. Oof. But yeah, this is definitely not a crushable crushable IPA. No. Uh, which you don't always want a crushable beer. Yeah, exactly. This is a good like come home from work, crack open a single beer, drink it. Yeah, that's true. I definitely really like this one. I'm really surprised that we haven't seen this one, this brewery around more often. It might just be because of how they distribute. Yeah. And what they can pump out. I really thought, so when you picked this up from the liquor store, I was thoroughly convinced that we had never had anything from them before. But when I started to do my research, they do wee heavy scotch ale, which I think you've had Oh, I have had that. Yeah, I do like that too. So... Okay, so we have had something. For, I have You've had, had it, yeah. And I do like scotch ales. You do. No, no, this is really good. This is really interesting. And I am surprised that we haven't a 25-year-old brewery that we haven't had more from them. Yeah, same. And or it hasn't been around or, or talked about or touted. I mean, obviously, it's got a ton of metals, mm-hmm. but we haven't really heard it around here as much. Yeah, and I don't remember when, when we uh, watched the Great American Beer Festival Awards this year. Um, I do not recall noticing if they won anything, up. but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it seems like they kind of sweep. What well, do you have that much experience? Yeah. So the can art is 
honestly very I don't want to say plain. School. It's it's old school. It's like you're drinking a like a like a Pabst or something like that. It's it's very Almost, much like yeah. beer can. Uh it's definitely not going for anything kind of out there. It's trying to just be beer. Mm-hmm. Uh it is a tall boy can, obviously. It's got a full wraparound label. None of that sticker crap. Uh it's white, green, and gold. So it almost looks like a sports team kind of thing too, because of the green gold. It does. And then yeah. the logo is this very simple anvil with gold ac- green anvil with gold accents on it. To me, the color scheme screams Ireland. I mean, it's definitely like, yeah, the the green and the gold. Mm-hmm. A little Irish. And even the the style of the the font. I just think like college sports team. It's okay. very Letterman's yep, jacket kind of thing. Yeah, yep. So the Alesmith logo is like, like we said, very old school kind of college font where the A at the Alesmith and the H and the, uh, at the end kind of are bigger. So it kind of has this. And all the letters have that serif. Yeah. Yeah. Growing effect to them with the gold backgrounds. Alesmith Brewing Company on top of it's the Anvil logo with the gold etchings established 95 or EST 95. There's a little gold band at the top on this white section that says hand forged ales. Then on the bottom, there is a green tape going around that says IPA, West Coast style, India Pale Ale. So, hey, it was right in the can. I had read it before. Yep. I'm an idiot. I I'm didn't want to say anything, but <laughs> <laughs> not no. that you're an idiot, but that it's right on the can. No, no. I am what I am. And I accept that. Why can't you? Uh, so it says one pint. Oh, boy. 7.25% alcohol by volume. And then we get to the right of the can and it goes proudly brewed and canned in San Diego, California. And then the government warning. And then we've got this going down the other side of the can, this big green stripe going from up to down where Ellsmith is in much bigger yellow font this time. Uh, and then in a little circle, you've got the Anvil logo. What are the all time highest rated IPAs on rate beer? Ellsmith IPA is back on for our 25th anniversary and better than ever. Bursting with massive hop aromas of grapefruit pine and tropical fruits from huge additions of Columbus and Citra. This classic IPA is perfectly balanced by a healthy malt backbone and smooth bitter finish. I'd say the bitter is at the beginning. Yeah. Glassware. Becker glass or Betcher glass. We don't have it. <laughs> Serving temp, 45 to 50. Pairs well blue cheese. Origin, established 1995, San Diego, California. And it's like little logos for each thing. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I like the little icons. You don't usually get the pairs well with on the actual can. You no. usually just get that on the website. It's true. So I like the little fork. I wonder <laughs> if all their beers have that. And the glassware recommendation is nice too. Yes, that should be on the can. Absolutely, that should be on the can. Along with the uh, SRM rating. <clears throat> <clears throat> Hey, at least they gave us the IBUs. What color is this beer? <laughs> but no, that's cool. We got any blue cheese? No? Oh. No. <laughs> um, we got parm. We got lots of parm. <laughs> not, not the same, but I'll eat it anyway. It's true. <laughs> There's not a lot to talk about this beer. I, I wish there was more like, oh, and then it evolves into this and this and that. Yeah. You know, it's just genuinely, it's just genuinely a, solid beer. a really solid beer. It doesn't have like a crazy evolution. The the flavors are right up front. Pine, citrus, malt. Yeah. But honestly, if you've never had a West Coast IPA before. This would be an excellent one to start. This is definitely a really good one to start. I think I prefer Dockside Brewery's West Coast IPA the most. Yeah. I really like that one a lot. However, you you have to go to that one brewery. They don't sell that in the That's liquor store. That's true. Yeah. They don't distribute yet. Um, they don't have plans to distribute, do they? No. No, they're a brew pub. They don't yeah. need to. They're, they're killing it. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we have had a few West Coast IPAs this year on the show. Mm-hmm. This is definitely, I think this is this is up there. 
I don't, I don't know if it's my favorite or I just really like West Coast IPAs now, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> like this is really, really good. I really enjoy that fact that it's like, it is what I would, what I would just automatically go, oh, this is a West Coast IPA, but that multi bready backbone to it mm-hmm. is there, which I like in a, in a dipper, but I don't like how in a dipper it really weighs you down and a dipper is very, very sweet. Yes. And this but like you said, to balance out the crazy happiness of it, right. it's like almost artificially sweet. If it wasn't that sweet, it would almost be so bitter you couldn't drink it. Yeah. Well, most mere mortals couldn't drink it. I could probably drink it. You could. Let's <laughs> uh, be real. <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoy that breadiness without having the extra sugar and that extra bitterness and knowing that, oh, shit, this is 11%. <laughs> and I definitely want another beer after this. Yeah. But oh, well. I probably won't. <laughs> Or I guess it's a headache tomorrow or yeah. something like that. Whereas this, it's like, you know, I don't know if I could have two of these. I could maybe have at two least of these. not two tall boys one after the other. Yeah. Maybe maybe if we were at a bar. Yeah, like you like you order like a small pour, or a short pour, yeah, or something like that yeah. for sure. Which I like. Which not a lot of bars give you the option to do that. No, but usually they give you in the correctly nowadays, especially most nicer restaurants or or pub type restaurants that where draft beer is one of their features. Yeah. They, they make give an you the correct glass. They exactly. know what they're doing. But if you go to something like Buffalo Wild Wings or Chili's or Applebee's, eh, we don't really go to Chili's or Applebee's that much anymore, but we still no. go to Buffalo Wild Wings. I like Buffalo Wild Wings and I feel like they're more up on draft beer. Yeah. And actually do make some deals with craft breweries to make their own beer, which I stuff which like that. Which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. But generally, yeah, they'll they'll ask taller, short, taller, short, and you can get a shorter pour or something yeah. that might be too strong that you wouldn't want. Or you a can ton take of. advantage and get a tall, for which we've done <laughs> which as well. Is, yeah. yeah, which there are some bars around town, like Road to Ruin at the little bar called Reruns, where we or near where we live. Oh my you god, you can get a Road to Ruin for like two dollars. That's just like eight percent. I know. I don't know how. I don't know how tall they serve it though. That's fair. Yeah, I don't we know haven't actually do. been there. We just go by and like. We just drive by and I still marvel at their, yeah, their banner. Their pricing, yeah. Two fifty happy hour road to ruin. I think it's cool that they put road to ruin what? on happy hour. And yes, not like Bud absolutely. Light. Uh, but that's really interesting. I think. But it's only for like two hours a day, <laughs> so. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> that bar is literally a you got out of work go to this bar bar. Yeah. So they want to cut that happy hour off quick. You can you can see that place four people packed after five o'clock, especially yeah. in the summer when they're able to use their outdoor patio thing. Yeah. But no, Alesmith Brewing, this is amazing. I know we reached out to you a little late if you're listening to this episode. Yeah, it was a little last minute, which we apologize yeah, we for. We reached out it to Instagram awesome. yeah, and they wanted us to reach out be. to the marketing. But if you ever want to come on the show and talk about your brewing process, the history of your brewery, that would be fucking awesome. Yeah, especially guys- if we can get a hold of that Speedway Stout for you. Oh. <laughs> we're not asking for handouts. Is that what we're asking for? She's just mentioning that. Yeah. Uh, but we would love to talk to you about the history of your brewery. Being around since 1995 is awesome. And the experience. I track that things by to... movie and TV releases. You were around the year after Star Trek: The Next Generation <laughs> ended. Deep Space Nine was still on back then. What you were brewing craft beer? That's crazy to me. Crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> this is the year Jurassic Park: The Lost World came out. I was. I thought that no, you were going to use Jurassic year, Park as that's a gauge. The year, yeah. That's the year after Jurassic Park: The Lost World came out. That this might be Independence Day, or no. Maybe this is Lost World and Independence Day the next year. Either way, it's fucking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys want to come on the show and talk about the history of your brewery, please. We'd love to have you on again, even if we don't feature a beer and we just talk about the history of your brewery. Yeah. Or uh, let us know what to pick up ahead yeah. of time and we'll, we'll, we'll pick we'll up another one of these. Yeah. As far as I know, from what I saw in the liquor store, 
I mean, I was dead set on a mission to find an episode beer. Yeah. So I kind of just picked these up and ran. But I think this might have been the only one they had at our local liquor store. At our store. local one, yeah. But there are other local liquor stores we can always check around. It's true. For a brewery that's been around this long. Did do you know, because you did the research, did mm-hmm. I have a beer finder? I did not see one, no. Okay. Either way, go around, ask your local liquor store if they have Alesmith. Obviously, they started brewing globally, so they might have yeah. beers available check near you. Check it out. Check it out. Their 25th anniversary IPA, who knows how long they'll have it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this should be a staple beer. But yeah. I digress. <laughs> uh, I think this is absolutely fantastic. It's like a double IPA meets a West Coast IPA, had a baby. Yeah, that's really, really accurate. <laughs> it's absolutely fantastic. I just, I think I really like West Coast IPAs now. I think you do. Which is really cool because I didn't like that I didn't like the first West Coast IPA I had because it felt like I was dismissing an entire mm-hmm. half Genre. of the country. Yeah, yeah. Like that we don't get to see. And it's like, I know, like a lot of people are like, oh, if we're in Germany, we drink German beers. Well, yeah, Germany's the size of Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, our country is so big that I didn't want to dismiss, dismiss like something way far away, but it's it's still like... USA, USA. And I didn't want to dismiss that beer. Now, let me pose this question to you. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you're starting to dig West Coast IPAs now, not just because we've been finding them slightly more often, but because you are maybe getting sick of the New England style IPA? Hmm. I would actually go a little. Apricotiness. I would go a little. (laughs) Yeah, I would go a little darker than that. Yeah. And say I'm sick of IPA. I'm getting sick of IPAs in general. Western is good. I Not that, that I'm getting sick of IPAs. I'm. I think that's a general movement, though, in the craft beer community is trying to shift slightly away from the typical IPA into something more specialized. It's yeah. It's not that I don't want IPAs to go away. It's that every time we do a show, they only make IPAs. So we talk about this brewery and talk about this beer, and it's it tastes like apricot and it's heavy on apricot. Yeah, and I think that's why we were so excited this summer to see so many. Kolsch's and Pilsner's and, and Mexican yeah. <laughs> and Cervezas. Yep. The Cervezas blown our minds. Nom, nom, nom. Which is amazing because that's what I started with when I started drinking was Coronas and Modelos. And they're like, yeah, I fucking hated them because they tasted like pennies. And I was like, <laughs> I don't ever want to have these again. And then they're coming back again. It's like, no, no, no. But like. But we're doing it right that's now. That's wrong. Here's what you could actually drink in Mexico or, you know, Southern California or Southeast Texas. Yeah. Here's what real cerveza tastes like. And I'm like, oh, shit, that's really good. Yeah. So I like those Kolsch's. It's not that I want IPAs to go away. It's that I'm. You need a break. Not even that I need to break because sometimes I come home and I'm like, why don't we have a regular IPA in the <laughs> fridge? I still get IPA cravings all the time. I love IPAs. Yeah. I just don't think that there's enough variation in a traditional IPA Mm -hmm. that you can do too much more to it to make it special. You can try to match someone else's excellence, but you can never really do something special with an IPA until you do something special with an IPA. You know what I mean? Like you add something to it that no one's ever added before. Not just we have 25% citra to 75% mosaic this time. (laughs) Not just the ratios. But like, I think I was talking the other one, like Mm -hmm. we talked last week about how they had like, oh, hints of blueberry in this or berry and lemon. Yeah. Yeah. Put maybe put real lemon in it just a little bit, just that tiny bit of lemon zest to not make it a hop that accentuates a flavor that's like lemon. Put some actual lemon in it. And I know that some beer purists will be like, well, that's a fruit beer. I don't want no fruity beer. But at this point, those same people aren't drinking IPAs. And if they already have, they've already broken. Yeah. 
And it's just beer is such an art form and it's so interesting. You could do so much with it that they're not yeah. doing anything with it. That's why you went so nuts for the uh, spring ale from back east. I loved that spring ale from back east because they put all those lemons in it. And it's getting to a point of stagnation in the IPA world, I think, where it's yeah. just like, yeah, you've got to be bored of saying the same hops over and over again. And that's yeah. it. <laughs> it's getting really hard to find different things to say every single week. About. I mean, it's cool to go with the history of the brewery and yeah, and, and stuff like that. But like the malt and the yeast and what else are you doing to make this beer Interesting and new. Interesting, and new. Your own unique. Something, I mean, we something still that have, you can make your not necessarily your flagship ale, but like that's the other thing is it's so hard. Like because even I come, like I said, I come home and sometimes I'm just mad that we have all these interesting beers and I just yeah. Want, where's my normal kind of? I still want like a two roads or a tribus, like normal kind or of a uh, sea hag, a or, sea yeah. hag from new england or even like a sierra nevada like for like a more like or a national kind of level mm -hmm. but something that's like more just a normal ipa and i constantly go in the fridge and i'm disappointed i don't have that but i'm also sick of them when we do the show or when i want something unique and it's just that ratios yeah but in terms of flagships that's what people want in their flagship that's even what i would really want in a flagship it's tough to have like your flagship beer being this really heavy stout or this yeah, triple no. IPA it can't be. or it this, can't be. yeah, you, you never see this scotch ale. That's super, that's 11%. Yeah. It has to be something generally appealing to the masses that you consider your flagship. I think your flagship. Yeah. Your flagship should be something I can sit down and watch TV. I can sit down with my friends and watch a sports, uh, like a sports match. Yeah. Like while drinking all of them. Yeah. So like not just, Oh, I have one Ailsmith. No, no, no. With wings or pizza yeah. or whatever. I'm watching all nine innings. I'm watching all four quarters of this, mm -hmm. like with my buddies drinking this one beer. Yep. I bought a whole pack and this is what we're drinking. I think that's what people want their flagship to be. But there's got to be an in-between where you can innovate and you can add something to that that doesn't make it something. Because this is what we talked about off the air. Mm -hmm. Adding that lemon where it doesn't make it a fruited ale. It doesn't make it a sour. It just makes it something a little different. Yep. Or fucking... Throw some pine needles in there. <laughs> you laugh, but like. No, steep those needles, steep man. Steep the needles. We've had stuff that had steep needles in yep. it before. Yep. I can't uh, remember what it was, but me we neither, definitely but had. It, and it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And stuff like that is, is so unique and interesting. And I know it requires a little more effort, but that's so uniquely you now yes. by doing that. And this is in no way a knock against Alesmith because I just said, no, I think I love this yeah. is probably why I'm focusing more toward the West Coast IPA because it's just something new and different. Mm hmm. And yes, the, the apricot backbone is getting a little tiresome because everyone just goes, yeah, those notes of apricot. <laughs> Dude, do you not drive five miles to try everything that everybody else has? Yeah. Everybody's apricot. You don't, don't hang your hat on apricot. <laughs> Go out and hang your hat on something else. Find something, some other part of that hop that you want to accentuate or something like that. That's true. That's kind of, this has become a beer rent by Mike, which is whatever. <laughs> it's something interesting is we don't usually do that when we talk about bruise news, previews and reviews. Yeah. We don't usually go into like our hang up. So that's kind of cool. I don't know how you feel about it. I mean, I know you might be tired about talking about the hops. Are you also no, I'm, I'm, getting tired of IPAs? Uh, but at the same yeah, time, you I'm, don't drink I'm, a lot of other beers. I'm, I'm getting I'm getting sick of samey IPAs, like you were saying, where they all rely on the stone fruits, the the citrus, the it, it gets old. 
<laughs> that's why I feel like, like I was saying before, we got so excited this summer when there was like this like wave of refreshing, light, sweet, different beers. And I, I can't help but bring it back to something like Oyebeb from Tribus, I feel like is one of my all time most drinkable beers. See, and I've talked to other people who like Tribus as well. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned, oh, I haven't had that. Or, oh, yeah, that was good. And it's but just no, like, like if you told no, it's that if should you, be their flagship beer. If at you this told point. me that I could only drink one thing forever, I'd be okay with all yeah, but <laughs> if I could only drink one thing forever, it might it not would be, be alcohol. Yeah, it might be Coke. Well, or just yeah, water. no, I'm I'm, ta I'm talking I'm talking beer. I'm talking, talking if I yeah, you're talking beer. If I had to commit to one beer that you you're choosing this beer, or are they choosing for you? Oh, I don't wait. What? Well, you're like you're like you'd be okay with off all yeah, but was chosen for you. Yeah. Yeah. Would you choose, but you wouldn't necessarily choose all yeah, babe. It honestly. It'd would, be on your list. You'd be, would, you'd be thinking be, about it. It would be extremely high on my list. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like this, even though yeah, babe's kind of like a mutt, right? I feel like it's a more of a traditional Czech Pilsner. Is it? I mean, to be fair, I don't know the, the hops that are in it. I don't know the malts. Like, I don't know. It's. We'll get there. Tribus, we're coming for you. <laughs> I know we've done a few Tribus episodes, but we really got to try to get them on. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, absolutely. And Cerveza by Tribus. Mm -hmm. And what was the other Mexican Pilsner we had this year that I really loved that we bought more of? The one from the Massachusetts Brewery with the crazy um, map looking. The one that looked like a postcard. Mm -hmm. We did an episode on it. Yep. Bueno. Wicked Bueno. Wicked Bueno. Wicked Bueno was amazing. Yep. Uh, like you said, Spring Ale. Summer Ale was pretty good. Mm -hmm. Summer ale. summer ale is always good. We've had that for several years. Right. I don't. Do, I, we haven't featured that yet on an episode. No, we just drink it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All these are really good, and you look at other things like the sours are taking off now. But even mm -hmm. some sours are starting to get a little samey. Yeah. Like a lot of the sours are just relying, I think, on the same distributor for their same fruit juices to get mm -hmm. stuff, and it's try to do something interesting with your sours, which is I really commend. Like a. Two Roads knows sours like nobody else's business. Yes, absolutely. Two Roads has the greatest sours. But they also have Brewmaster Phil. They all have. All hail Brewmaster Phil. All hail Phil Markowski. I know Hermit Thrush has a bunch of sours. That's all they do. I've had one I like and one I didn't like that much. So I would love to try their other stuff, but I know that's all they do. So they've got to know what they're doing. Yeah. And I really commend Thimble Island, uh, which is also in Connecticut. For making very unique for sours. For making super unique sours. And they don't, do not always hit for me but they are always the most out there sours that i have yep what was the one where i had to have it that at the brewery and i ended up loving it after i didn't like it rita rita with the peppercorn mm -hmm. so weird with the peppercorn it's like a sour with peppercorn what and i hate i didn't really i didn't hate it i was like it's okay i drank it maybe it just didn't lend itself to the can maybe but then we had no because we got at the can afterward i liked it too Oh, so it just it took me a little bit to maybe like it or it was the batch. But then we had it at the brewery and I was like, this is great. Yeah. I don't remember why I even got it. I think I wanted to give it one more chance. And then we got in Kansas again. I, I really liked it. It takes me sometimes to warm up to them. But this sour and Kolsch explosion is really nice. Mm -hmm. And we're getting into the winter season. And I've already seen a bunch with all these Christmas themed things. Some of them are just winter th themed beers and their ales. You're seeing more ales, I think. We're seeing more stouts. We're seeing more uh, porters. porters. Yep. And that's really cool because, A, I like those. Although they are heavier, it's wintertime. You kind of want that. Yeah. And 
I mean, and eventually it's a nice tease for our yeah. Stout episode <laughs> where I'm going to, I'm going to do to you what you did to me with the Cezans. Yeah. And we'll see how you feel about these, these boys. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Although you, you don't, I'm warming up. I'm definitely you're warming, warming up, up to, to them and you have and never hated definitely them as much ales. as I do. And I'm learning to love stouts, but I'm definitely warming up to ales in a big way. Well, ales are not the, what you're going to have during this. No, but the, hev- the heavier, episode. the heavier <laughs> ales that I wasn't really a fan of in previous years. Yeah, You do like this year's Anchor Steam Christmas, mm. which is interesting because that's a dark ale. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Was not expecting that's that. That's almost like a porter. But yeah, to make a long story, still long. I, I think I do... I am starting to like the West Coast IPAs more because they are something different Mm -hmm. because they feature the pine over this stone fruit, citrusy backbone of apricot. Like it would be rude, but every time you say it's got notes of apricot, I want to roll my eyes in the back of my head (laughs) to the point where they reach the actual back of my head and never roll back around. Yeah. Like it's just, I get it. And not everything has to be hazy. Just saying. I don't want to jump on the night. Everything has to be hazy train because I do like hazy IPAs and they are newer. I feel like that. Yeah. But I do think that a lot of people can't do hazy IPAs that try to mm. and they act like they can. Yeah. It's just like, here's our new hazy. It sucks. <laughs> it sucks big. <laughs> just making that hazy and these similar flavors and make it more drinkable. Yeah. You're not good at hazy. But hazies overall are only a year or two old. And, and there are a lot of hazies that I, or in terms of their, popularity popularity yeah and there are a lot that i do like and i think there's still more to do in that space mm-hmm. you look at cloud sourced from two roads that we love yeah and that just came out right at the beginning of the pandemic uh, in you March. can tell that is they worked on that they perfected that right and that's their second hazy um too juicy no too juicy just no. a juice bomb it's not a hazy yeah so this but, is their first hazy and they took their time before they wanted to release a hazy. Did CloudSource come out before or after Hazy Boy? Before. Okay. I yep. believe. But yeah, I, I'm not going to discount hazies yet, but regular IPAs, New England IPAs, generic IPAs. Ready for something new. Yeah. Or just different. Exciting. Change up what it is to be an IPA, I think maybe as well. Yeah. That's all. And that's the end of my IPA rant. Right? <laughs> I think that might be the uh, the end of the episode. Nice. <laughs> so thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, please rate it, review it, and share it with your friends. And subscribe to catch our future episodes. You can find us on crackinoneopen.com or Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or just wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter at Kraken One Open or shoot us an email at Kraken One Open at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions because, as always, we want to hear from you. What do you got? I'm going to make this short and sweet because I talked a fucking shit ton this episode. <laughs> That's right. Bleep that out. Uh, Two swears in a row. You know don't what? swear. You know what? No, I'm not. No, it's not as it's funny as if you don't bleep it. <laughs> Well, then don't swear for no reason. I know we're marked it as explicit, but it's not funny if you don't bleep it. (laughs) Anyway, I talked a lot, so I'm going to make this short and sweet. Buy my audiobooks, Michael Butler on audible.com. Help me feed this fine lady right here and myself. (laughs) I I only get paid if you guys buy the book. I've got two other podcasts I do, Forgotten Cinema, that I do with my buddy Mike Field about forgotten films that for some reason seem to be forgotten by audiences, but deserve a second chance. Or Two Player Bros, a podcast I do with my buddy Dave. We talk about all things video game related, Xbox, PC, PlayStation, Switch, VR, 
Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, hopefully as soon as we can actually get them. <laughs> uh, and those podcasts are also available wherever you can find them. Uh, and both as well as Crack One Open are part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. So you can find us all on ForgottenEntertainment.com. Woo! And a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. One more West Coast IPS. <laughs> <laughs>